Today is Friday, July 9th. The title for our devotional is Formation of the Mind. So, as we saw yesterday, it is a work of God through His Spirit which allows us to understand the truth of God in our minds. Subsequently, we begin this process of spiritual formation and growing in love for God with our mind. This involves a few key commitments. First, is simply putting our minds more and more on God and the things of God. In the negative form of this, Psalm 10:4 says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. What a vivid description of the distorted mind. It has no room for God. The mind is so occupied with other selfish things, things like work, money, other things of this world, that there is no room for God. This is also a lesson for the Christian to grow in spiritual formation. In our minds, is there room for God? Do we delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night, as Psalm 1-2 says? We must constantly learn to, quote, set our minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth, Colossians 3-2 tells us. We must not be like Peter, whom Jesus rebuked. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. And listen to his explanation. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That's in Matthew 16, 23. So we must learn to more and more set our minds on the things of God. Next, God's word must be our authority for truth and life. It must be the lamp to our feet and the light to our path, as Psalm 119.105 tells us. And as we said a few days ago, something is not right or wrong because we feel like it is right or wrong. It is not right or wrong because our culturally formed ideas dictate it to be right or wrong. It is right or wrong because God's word indicates that it is right or wrong. God's word also must be our source for truth. This is what Paul has in mind in Romans 12 too, where he says, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He's telling them that when we have this renewed, transformed mind, then we can know God's will. We can know what is good. We can know what is acceptable and what is perfect. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 4, 4 says it like this. The Apostle Paul is writing to his um, uh, apprentice of sorts, Timothy. He says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So when we're talking about spiritual formation, Paul here is telling Timothy to be formed, be, be spiritually formed by Scripture. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, 
and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So the way we keep ourselves from wandering off into myths and listening to deceptive teachers is knowing God's word and knowing it really, really well. So formation for the Christian means knowing the truth of God's word so well that ideas contained within it become the governing ideas for all areas of our life. This means we relentlessly pursue greater knowledge and understanding of God's word. To do this, we must always remain curious and hungry for more truth of God's word. To do this, we must humbly admit that some of our preconceived notions and governing ideas are not in line with God's word and be willing to re-examine those when the truth or the light of God's word is shined upon them. So when we see images that convey certain ideas, the standard that we hold them to is scripture. If scripture indicates the cultural idea to be true, we can accept it as true. If scripture indicates an idea to be false, we must reject it as false. If scripture does not speak to it, like the value of new technology, we must use the principles found in scripture to guide and undergird our actions and our thinking. Scripture must be like those sunglasses that make everything yellow, right? <laughs> when we look through the world, we must see first through scripture. It is the first filter with which we see. So what we put before our minds is of vital importance to our spiritual formation. On this, Dallas Willard writes, the mind is the place where we can and must begin to change. The ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell on. Certainly there are times and circumstances in which it is difficult to control what our minds dwell on, but this is not the norm. In most circumstances, we are free to choose what our minds dwell on, and we must choose to put before our minds the things of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, the Apostle Paul says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, their ideas. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Prayer is that we would learn through formation, through meditation on God's word, through studying it and reflection, how to take every thought captive to obey Christ. For additional content, I've simply included a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer from a speech that he wrote in Lake Geneva, Switzerland, not Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, unfortunately, in 1932. He says, has it not become terribly clear again and again in all that we have discussed with one another here that we are no longer obedient to the Bible? We prefer our own thoughts to those of the Bible. We no longer read the Bible seriously. We read it no longer against ourselves, but only for ourselves. For reflection time today, I hope, I hope you've noticed throughout this campaign, even the first four weeks into it, the centrality of God's word for spiritual formation. The last three weeks, we have said that it is required for the formation of the heart, the soul, and now the mind. To form our minds to the will of God and to the image of Christ, we must all thoroughly know God's word. This involves knowing individual passages and the larger themes of scripture. If you feel as if you don't know God's word well enough, be honest, who does, right? 
Willard's paradigm for change is helpful. He uses the VIM acronym, vision, intention, and means. For most of us, it's not the lack of means that keeps us from knowing God's word more. We all have Bibles all over. You have free Bible apps, you have study Bibles, you have commentaries available to you if at the click of an Amazon button. Instead, it is the vision and the intention that we are stuck on. Reflect on that. Are you, are you curious about God's word? If you're not, why? Why aren't you more intentional about learning God's word? Are there other sources of information or things that you are holding as more authoritative in your life than the word of God? 